Hello and welcome to SSI Live. You've long known the Strategic Studies Institute, or SSI, at the U.S. Army War College as the go-to location for issues related to national security and military strategy with an emphasis on geostrategic analysis. SSI conducts strategic research and analysis to support the U.S. Army War College curricula, assist and inform Army, DOD, and U.S. government leadership, and serve as a bridge to the wider strategic community. Now we're bringing you access to SSI analyses, scholars, and guests through this, the SSI Live podcast series. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to this edition of SSI Live. My name is John Denny, and I'm a research professor of National Security Studies here at SSI. It's Friday, December 1st, 2023, and today I'm joined by my SSI colleague, Dr. Evan Ellis. Evan is a research professor of Latin American Studies, and I've asked him to join us today for a discussion on the recent election of Javier Malay in Argentina. Now, Evan was last on SSI Live just over a month ago in late October to discuss the run-up to this election and some others in Latin America. And so I've asked him back today to discuss the somewhat surprising election outcome and the implications of it for both Argentina and the United States. Evan, welcome. Thanks, John. It's good to be back. Uh, Good to be with you to talk about these issues. Evan, even though Malay led in polling ahead of the runoff election, his election by such a large margin, 56 to 44 percent, was unexpected by most observers who thought the Peronist or establishment candidate and current economy minister Sergio Massa was going to pull out a victory in the end. Now, Massa's effort to carry favor with the electorate in a variety of ways, some more ethical than others, didn't pan out. What do you think explains Malay's victory? Well, John, there's multiple things uh, going on here. Uh, first of all, of course, uh, the broad context is the frustration of Argentinian voters, not only with Peronism um, and uh, the government that Massa and, and, of course, above him, uh, Alberto Fernandez uh, represented, but really with the cycles of boom and bust in Argentina. Um, so Argentina has had uh, bouts of, of economic disaster and hyperinflation going back into the you know better part of the previous uh, century. And so the latest where we can talk about 40% poverty, 140% and inflation accelerated towards 200, a, a parallel blue dollar rate that was going to uh, well over a thousand pesos for, per, per dollar, over three times the official rate. That was really the only the, the latest chapter of voters, just frustration that whoever they seem to elect, things always turned out badly. And to be fair, um, uh, voters had brought in uh, prior to the, the past government, the government before that, uh, that of a uh, center-right uh, candidate, uh, Mauricio Macri with uh, Juntos para Cambio, uh, the hope was in bringing Macri and that that would make things different. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, that also ended up leading to capital flight and, and other problems. And so at the core, there was deep set voter frustration with really both the left and the right and a desire to to try something different. Um, and um, Malay, with his language, uh, really appealed to that. Having said that, however, uh, you could really split voters up in, into three groups. Um, you know, there were those who were tied to the, the Peronist status quo. There were those who were really open to Malay. Um, but there's also a, a group who was, I, I would say, um, tied to uh, kind of a center-right, uh, things that worked experience. Those were the voters who had, had gone with the former national security minister, Patricia Bullrich. And so really what was decisive was that um, for those voters, whether they would stick with with the with the Peronis and Massa because he had experience and predictability despite being more the same, or they would take a great jump into the abyss. And so, when after the election, the center right candidate Patricia Bullrich uh, endorsed um, Malay and also the previous president. Uh, 
also um, Mauricio Macri also endorsed Malay. Uh, that really helped to transfer the majority of, of those center-right votes over to um, Malay, which was enough to catapult him to the, the victory over Massa in, in the elections. Evan, one of Malay's first actions as president-elect was to travel to D.C. just this past week to meet with senior administration officials. Do you know what was on his agenda while here and what he heard while in the city? Sure, John. And it's it's important to really take a look at, at that trip. First of all, because Argentina has one of the shortest uh, presidential transition periods, if not the shortest in all of Latin America. He literally had just a matter of, of weeks uh, before the December 10th inauguration. Um, and that's saying a lot, especially for somebody who is coming into office without any real political experience for whom really working across the aisle in the legislature will be critical to his success. And so the fact that he invested literally a good chunk of his very short transition period in this trip says something. Now, um, it's also important to point out that uh, there's probably never been quite somebody like Malay in Argentina and probably much of of Latin American politics um, to the extent that this is a very thoughtful, if unorthodox man on on a spiritual journey. And so, um, you know, Although there is a strong uh, signal of his desire to connect with the United States, um, a big part of his trip was what he called a personal spiritual journey. Um, he, although he is Catholic, uh, has a, a great admiration for a, a sect of Hasidic Judaism um, that's uh, referred to as, as the uh, Chavad Lutvich uh, community. And so um, his trip to New York was first and foremost, and accompanied by his sister, a um, a, a trip to pay homage to a, a Rabbi Menachem Mendel um, Schneerson, who is is really the considered kind of the spiritual leader now passed away of, of, of this movement. Um, and it's a movement that focuses on positive things, wisdom, comprehension, knowledge. Um, but um, but but so first and foremost, it was about that. Having said that, uh, also Malay um, as a libertarian, uh, you know, a certain affinity for 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 the United States. And so um, there were uh, trips. Uh, there was a, a con- there were conversations uh, with the Biden administration, both on the state side and at NSC. Probably the senior person that met with him was the NSC director, uh, um, Jake Sullivan, uh, because uh, President Biden uh, w- was not available because of, because of uh, other, other issues. Um, but in addition to those, uh, his team had some very important conversations with the International Monetary Fund. And I think what was critical with that is, is understanding that uh, when he comes into office, um, he is going to have a, a series of different fiscal and financial problems, not only having to do with it, the payments of the next installment of the IMF uh, debt, but but also just the uh, you know things like his uh, proposed uh, dollarization and, and various other other things um he is going to need help and comprehension from the IMF um and to that end also meeting with people from the US Treasury Department was, was very important with respect to that Evan let me ask you to unpack a little bit more that that uh, information you mentioned on the IMF the International Monetary Fund how dependent is Malay on the IMF for solving some of these major economic challenges like the runaway inflation they're experiencing right now Sure, absolutely. Um, and in, this really started two administrations ago. And the um, Argentina has repeatedly had problems with having to default on its IMF loans. Uh, however, um, when the center-right government of Mauricio Macri come in, came in two governments ago, there was really a push by the IMF to try to um, – to really help Argentina in its return to the, the market from the previous generation of Peronism. There was a $57 billion IMF debt, the biggest loan package ever that was negotiated. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the things that the Macri government did um, in, in removing capital controls uh, created a situation in which, um, because the economic underlying problems weren't, weren't solved, there was capital flight, especially near the end of, of his term. And so when the new Peronist government came in, they actually had to renegotiate yet again that IMF deal. 
deal. Um, and so that new deal, which is a $44 billion deal, the problem was that Argentina has had massive problems. Um, number one, they tried to maintain an artificial uh, currency rate. Uh, so the official rate right now, for example, is about 350 pesos per dollar, what they call the blue market rate, the rate that people actually are, are willing to pay to, to get uh, dollars is over over a thousand now. And so well out of line. Um, so the problem with that um, is that the IMF has to spend a whole lot, I'm sorry, Argentina has to spend a whole lot of, of its foreign currency reserves trying to basically prop up the peso, while at the same time, it's begun to have to make payments on its uh, IMF debts. And so uh, during the end of the past administration, you had uh, two major payments. Um, and with a little bit of help from the IMF itself, with a little bit of help from the Chinese that allowed Argentina to dip into their basically renminbi yuan denominated uh, fund, with a little bit of help from Corporación Andino de Fomento, the um, you know a, a semi-private organization in, in the region, Argentina kind of squeaked through. But, but basically, its foreign currency reserves are $10 billion in the red. And literally this month of December, um, Mac, um, the Macri government, uh, I'm sorry, the Malay government will have a $900 million payment to the IMF. And so multiple different questions. So number one is uh, having enough money just to make that, that near-term payment to stay good with the IMF debt. Uh, number two, if Argent, if Malay uh, truly wants to dollarize the economy, um, again, when you're $10 billion in the red, um, you know you need basically more money to have enough dollars to, to dollarize. And so you know, any type of, of liquidity that you, you get there, um, they're going to need some sort of extension. And so one of the things that was talked about, uh, given that uh, the IMF really isn't in a position to extend more money, uh, the IMF has something called a resilience fund. And so um, you, you had some talk with uh, Christina Georgieva uh, about uh, maybe uh, helping Argentina dip into its resilience fund, because part of Argentina's problem uh, was that it is so dependent on um, agricultural exports, and it had a really bad year with record droughts, which which caught literally tens of billions of dollars that it normally would have earned um, and, and, and took that away. And so looking at how to basically keep Argentina afloat to give it the space that it needs so that its government can even have a chance at, at implementing uh, the new things that it, it, it's going to implement. So a series of different problems uh, where really, if it doesn't work with the IMF, it's, it's going to have even more profound political as well as economic problems. Okay, Evan, let's step back a little bit from what's unfolded over the last few weeks or longer and, and try to look ahead. Uh, as you mentioned, Malay takes office pretty soon, actually, on December 10th, just over a week away. What do you think the outlook is for his agenda, especially the policies he's espousing on cutting the government in half or dollarizing the economy? These things sound pretty dramatic. Is he actually going to be able to implement these kinds of policies? Frankly, it is going to be a very challenging trip, um, although uh, it is certainly going to be be interesting because, um, again, his libertarian ideas of, of reducing the size of, of government, uh, both in um, uh, economic matters as well as social policy, is, is something that we haven't seen at the presidential level in, in Argentina for quite some time. Uh, having said that, uh, it's important to note that uh, he comes into power really without a legislative uh, backing. Um, on, on the one hand, in Argentina's Congress, you ha he, his party, La Libertad Avanza, only has seven of the 72 seats in the Senate, only 38 of the 257 seats in the House. So, you know, roughly a tenth of the legislature on, on both sides. Now, the center-right, we mentioned uh, the endorsement from uh, Patricia Bullrich's uh, Juntos para el Cambio. Um, and even if you add up those center-right uh, tickets, and it's not clear that the center-right wants to go along with the whole agenda that, that he has, that's still 
still only gets you to about 36, about half of the seats in the Senate. It only gets you to a little over 100 seats in the the House. And so his ability to legislate is, is going to be critical. Having said that, though, it's important to distinguish thus between what he can and, and wants to do on domestic issues and foreign, because uh, certainly with relatively greater latitude uh, in, in terms of, of uh, what he can do without a legislative action, it, um, in, in foreign policy, you know, with the exception of things like, you know, things that you have to commit resources for or declaring war, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but on the domestic front, as we've already talked about, um, you know, he, he clearly, he wants to do things like move towards dollarization and eliminate the central bank. Well, that would, um, require not only dollars, um, you know, going back to the IMF, but it would also probably require legislation. So it, what's likely is he'll probably reduce the latitude of the central bank um, with, with its new director, who is a relatively close ally of, of his, um, remains to be seen whether he will actually be able to statutorily eliminate it. Um, he's also talked in fiscal policy. He has an enormous need, if he's going to make this work, to slash the size of Argentine government. Now, he's talked about eliminating literally, um, literally, 10 out of Argentina's 18 ministries. They have just government sprawl. The problem is that that everyone or many, many Argentines have a personal stake and have become accustomed to those various different programs and transport subsidies and, and other subsidies. And so that's going to have a lot of political pain and it will require legislation that he's going to have to get basically the, the entire group of, of the center right along with him on that. Um, in addition to that, uh, he's talked about wanting to decrease the um, federal role in the system. Argentina has a federal system like we do in the United States, but the problem is that so many things like social policy, educational policy, pensions, etc., are largely dependent on the provinces. Um, but what the federal government does is they take some of the revenue and they transfer that revenue. So it is a catch-22 so that if Malay cuts the subsidies to the provincial governments, um, it is going to make it very hard for those provincial governments to, to basically make payroll on a broad variety of, of social programs. Um, also, it's worth mentioning that with respect to things like social policy, um, again, this is going to be very interesting because as a libertarian believing that you basically get the government out of out of social policy, um, there are certain areas like um, he, he's very um, you know pro uh, you know eliminate restrictions on guns. Although he does have a few areas where he takes a different posture, for example, as a Catholic, uh, he is uh, very conservative uniquely on the issue, for example, of, of, of abortion. But then finally, on that foreign policy matter, again, this is probably where we're going to see some of the, the, the biggest shifts. So, for example, with respect to Israel, again, after going through New York, um, he has uh, actually uh, gone to, to Israel. Um, we'll probably see a much bigger pushback against the re-engagement of Iran in, in the hemisphere. Um, with respect to Russia, of course, we the previous president, Alberto uh, Fernandez, was um, you know very welcoming of Vladimir Putin, relatively neutral on his invasion of the Ukraine. So I think we're going to see uh, a much stronger Argentine ally with respect to pushback against Russia on, on that. Um, with respect to China, I expect that we're going to see a, a, a cooler tone and a less politicized relationship. So certain things that the federal government can control so, for example, uh, you know, probably less use of that yuan renminbi uh, currency swap arrangement that the previous government had, had put into place. Um, probably less things like, you know, Argentina has said it's not going to affiliate with the BRICS organization. It's not going to, um, you know, we'll see what it does with respect to China's Belt and Road Initiative, uh, you know, let alone um, defense collaboration. Um, you know, uh, there was a big issue with the previous government where just by a hair, they decided not to buy a, you know, China's most advanced fighter that they were 
were trying to sell to the region the um, the the JF-17 or, or or the FC-1. So I, I would suspect that in terms of of defense training and, and purchases and things like that, we we may see a, a little bit less less on that. But on the other hand, um, as a libertarian that says, well, the government shouldn't muck around in what the private sector does, it'll be interesting to see with respect to infrastructure projects and 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 other things with the Chinese that although some of those things done with federal money may get a, a new look under the Malay administration as they did with Mauricio Macri, um, it remains to be seen whether um, you know the things that Argentina business people have been long doing with China, you know, selling soybeans, um, you know, uh, approving at, at the provincial level, uh, you know, access to uh, you know to to lithium by Chinese mining companies. I, I suspect that some of those things will continue, although with a very different tone. Evan, my, my last question for you is one that uh, really seeks to kind of bring it home, uh, so to speak, or rather literally, in, in terms of implications here for the U.S. What's your sense of what Malay's administration will mean for the U.S.-Argentinian security relationship as we go forward? Well, John, this is probably one of the most promising areas, both in terms of what Malay can do and, and what uh, the U.S. is well hooked up to do. But uh, important to start out with the notion that this is a strategic shift. Um, we've often, uh, we use the word, uh, the pink tide, talking about the, the previous generation with people like Hugo Chavez and and, and Rafael Correa in, in, in Ecuador. Um, and so um, for Argentina to move back to the right or the, or the center right, um, this is the first shift by a major actor that, that we've seen. Um, and um, and so um, in terms of multilateral dynamics with organizations like SELAC or or uh, um, you know, just uh, you know some of the bilateral um, relationships, uh, this is this is going to really create some opportunities for the for the United States. And and if uh, the United States can help Argentina to succeed, it could push um, you know more governments in the region down a path more cooperative to U.S. interests. Uh, if the United States does not, if Argentina under Malay fails spectacularly, then um, you know this could really accelerate the advance of, of the left. But specifically in the security domain, uh, important to note that Argentina has some pretty serious security issues, um, the biggest of which is it is right on an increasingly important drug route um, between source zone countries, specifically um, specifically uh, Bolivia and Peru, um, and with respect to marijuana, Paraguay, and markets in Europe, uh, which is becoming a much more in, uh, important uh uh, market. And so one of the things that you see is especially uh, coming uh, down in, through the north of Argentina, places like Highway 9, um, the river system, uh, a key uh, loading dock for agricultural goods, Rosario, has become a, a critical battleground because that's one of the places where you can essentially you know, smuggle drugs onto barges, which then cross the Atlantic over to, to, to Europe. And so um, Argentina has had a lot of security problems. And, and frankly, uh, its security forces, uh, especially the police, had to take a lot of their activities out of high. They have historically been underfunded, both the police and the, the military. I mean, one of the reasons why the Argentines wanted uh, new fighters is that their defense establishment has been so neglected that they were struggling just to keep a, a handful of, of jet interceptors flying. Um, and so um, this is an area where... Um, much like occurred with the U.S. when Mauricio Macri came in back in 2015, but but even more so, that um, on the one hand, there's a lot of need there by Argentina. Um, there's a receptivity to the U.S. as a partner. Um, and moreover, um, we've been here before, specifically Patricio Bullrich, who comes in again as the national security advisor, was the national security advisor under Mauricio Macri when we had that that last very successful experience of, of helping Argentina, Argentina wrestle with these things. Um, in, in addition, to that, you have um, 
various other uh, areas. Uh, for example, um, uh, we had worked uh, previously. Argentina has an uh, an excellent uh, state partnership program with the Georgia Guard on uh, on the U.S. side, who played a key role the last time. Again, the center right came in back into power um, in terms of being receptive with training and, and other uh, types of, of engagement, even while um, you know Southcom ramped itself up. And, and so again, um, you know, creating uh, opportunities that we've done before, but we can do better now. Now. Important to note that there probably will be some areas where there may be differences with the Biden administration, uh, at least from what Malay has said. Uh, you know, he is uh, not someone who is a he's a bit of a, a climate change skeptic. And um, and also uh, some of his comments on social policy have been maybe a little bit different from from uh, where the Biden administration is at right now. So, you know, there certainly will not be a honeymoon across the board. But in terms of Latin America policy in general, in terms of of, of cooperation on broader multilateral policy issues in terms of resisting Russia and, and China and, and things like you know, counter-drug cooperation. Um, this is an opportunity to, for really for the United States and Argentina to have a partnership that is successful and a, a model to show others in the region what is possible and what the U.S. can do in, in good faith if uh, we are given the opportunity. Or alternatively, if we don't step up to the plate, um, a, an indication for, for, for others of, um, of what is not possible. And so it's a critical moment and a fantastic opportunity if, uh, if if we're able to leverage it. Well, Evan Ellis, Research Professor of Latin American Studies, I am grateful you've joined us today to unpack the uh, recent Argentinian elections and what the future may hold for U.S.-Argentinian relations. Evan, thanks again for joining me today. Thanks, you, John. A real pleasure. You can now find SSI Live on TuneIn Radio and on popular podcast directories like Stitcher and at the iTunes Store. If you have any comments on our podcasts, thoughts on what you'd like to see addressed, or a response to something you heard here at SSI Live, please go to our website. That's ssi.armywarcollege.edu. Find me, John Denny, in the staff directory, and send me an email. I look forward to hearing from you. For the SSI Live podcast series, I'm John Denny. Thanks for listening.